been here for more than this week. You'll have seen this fairly regularly through the year. Um, as a church, we really feel that God's asking us in 2014 to shift. Now, shift can be different for a lot of people and in different ways, and we might need to shift as an individual. We might need to shift as a, um, as a, as a couple or a family. We might need to shift, and uh, we, we do need to shift as a church, um, to understand what God's calling us to and to embrace that and, and apply any change that he's, he's asking us to do to move as he, as he leads us. Um, and we're, we're in a series at the moment um, called The Other Side of Normal, looking at the idea that we live in a world that's broken, that has a whole heap of ways of thinking about things, but the kingdom of God, the, the, the message that Jesus came to bring, was actually about a kingdom that is the other side of normal. It's, it is normal, it is correct, it is whole, but it's the other side of the culture that we live in. It's, it's, everything gets twisted upside down. And, uh, and Mark's been taking us through a series of looking at different aspects of the kingdom of God and different ideas of, of what it means to be living the other side of normal. Um, and, and we're going to continue that this morning. Jesus paints a lot of pictures of what it means to relate with him, what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. Um, and he, and he, he, does, he does it a number of different ways in a number of different places. The, the vines and the branches, I am the vine and you are the branches, is an example that he gives of painting this picture of what it means to be in relationship, people with God. We are children of God, joint heirs of God. It's another picture of a father with the kids, of, of how we interact, how we relate to God. The bride and the groom, the groom being Jesus and the bride being his church, uh, and the picture of the relationship of that. And the shepherd and the sheep, the sheep that are his sheep, that hear his voice and follow him, that follow his leading. They're all just different ways of, of Jesus trying to to help people understand this relationship, the, what it looks like for God and the amazing creator, the beginning and the end, to somehow interact with us. Um, and they're all beautiful pictures. They all point to, to a sense of value, a sense of purpose, a sense of completeness. Um, they're all, they're all um, unique in a, in a way, but, and these aren't the only ones. He, he does other things too, but they're all ways of, of trying to describe this amazing thing, this kingdom of God idea. And this morning, um, I want to look at um, kingdom, kingdom citizenship. Now, citizenship is something that in Australia we don't really think about all that much. Um, most of us are citizens of Australia, but it just kind of, it ha something happens behind the scenes. Does anyone know what, it, what, what, um, what the value of being an Australian citizen is? Um, some people who come from overseas and have become Australian citizens would know more, but those who've grown up in Australia, what's, what's the benefits of being a citizen of Australia? Can you think of anything? You can get on the doll? Okay, yep, it's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Voting, yes, you can vote. Anything else? Yes. Yep. They'll re represent you. Freedom of speech. Freedom of speech. Yep. 
Mm. Do you have to have a, be a citizen to have freedom of speech? No, no, that's no. Sorry, I'm just just we're just messing with your heads. That's all right. Anything else? Yep, yep. You can become a politician. You, you're not allowed to be a you. You can uh, armed forces. You have to be a citizen to be. And there's a number of jobs in in government you can only be if you're a citizen. Um, but it's funny. We um, a, a citizen basically is a status that's given to somebody. Um, that gives them rights and privileges and also responsibilities. So it kind of goes both ways. So one thing you haven't mentioned is as a responsibility of being a citizen, you're obliged to do jury duty. Um, so that's part of when, when, as a citizen, you're actually contributing to society as well as receiving from society. So it works both ways. Um, um, now, when Jesus was on earth telling these stories, their idea of citizenship was very different. So citizenship was an idea that the Greeks, they think, came up with, um, but it was the Romans who started making it mean something. Um, they actually took the idea of citizenship and, and gave it some, some meat, some value. So you've got this Jewish nation of people who, a long time before, had the Egyptians oppressing them. Then they had a time of freedom. Then they had the Babylonians. Then they had the Persians. Then they had the Greeks, then the Hellenic, Hellenic and then the Romans. All um, empires that were all overpowering the Jewish people. So Jesus comes along to this, this group of people that are under the power and authority of a different empire, being the Romans, who have this concept of citizenship, but they're not part of it. They're not part of this citizen culture. They're an oppressed people who know what it's like to be in oppressed posture. And then along comes Jesus and says, I represent a different kingdom. You can be a citizen in my kingdom. And so all of a sudden, you've got these people, their ears prick up. These people who don't know what it's like to be a citizen. They know what it looks like for someone else to be a citizen, but they themselves don't know what citizenship is. We get a little bit of a picture of this because Paul was actually a Roman citizen. Um, and that's really unusual um, to the point that a commander, um, we read in Acts 22, a commander gets him, locks him in chains, and then discovers he's a Roman citizen. And, and this commander who was, who was responsible for him in chains panics. He goes, oh, no, you are a Roman citizen. I paid for my citizenship. The commander paid for his citizenship. And Paul says, I got mine. I, I'm free by birth, which is another level of citizenship. The commander bought his citizenship because he's rich enough to pay for one. Paul said, I inherited mine. Um, and this guy panics. He thinks, my neck's on the line. I have put a citizen in a place. You weren't allowed to hum humiliate a citizen. They were allowed to go to Caesar and, and appeal their case if they thought they were treated unjustly. You didn't treat a Roman citizen badly. And this guy went, I am in trouble. So we get a bit of a picture of what it meant to be a citizen of Rome. So when Jesus comes along and says, I represent a kingdom, 
the Jewish people think very differently to us. Jesus came to us and said, I'm going to offer you a citizenship. You go, I kind of got one, I think. I assume I'm a citizen. I don't have a certificate or a bit of paper, but I think I'm an Australian citizen. I get to vote and no one's ever told me not to. We don't really take that concept and understand what it means like it meant when Jesus presents this idea of a citizen. So the first thing I want to say, oh, there we go. So Acts 22, he said, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I am, he answered. Then the commander said, I had to pay a lot of money for my citizenship, but I was born a citizen, Paul replied. And uh, some translations say I was born free. So he's even taken citizen to another level that if you weren't a citizen, you weren't free. Um, Those who were about to interrogate him withdrew immediately. The commander himself was alarmed when he realised that he had put Paul, a Roman citizen, in chains. These Jewish people got what being a citizen was because they didn't have it. This is not really behaving very well, Brad. There we go. Um, This is another little picture of what it meant to them when Jesus said, I bring a new kingdom to you. So the disciples went as Jesus instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks in front of them for Jesus to sit on. Very large crowds spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now, I didn't know this, but Hosanna, actually the original Hebrew, is save or help. Save us, help us. Um, So we use it as as a praise term, but the actual original is get me out of this mess. Help, save. So they're, they're giving him his kingship, his, his lordship, um, and saying, rescue us. They get this idea that there is a big contrast between where I'm standing now and what Jesus is actually offering. Um, they didn't quite understand what his kingdom looked like, but they got what it meant to be a citizen. I managed to hunt this down. now when I was just to explain this a bit further when I was um, 17 I think I have awesome parents they drove me to where I needed to drive I was in the country so you kind of you don't really didn't really need to drive that much Um, I wasn't a big social there's no nightclubs in Carrenborough so and I wouldn't have gone to them anyway I wasn't interested in that I was happy to stay at home and jam on guitars and stuff with mates at our place. So when I got to 17, I thought, you know what? I really should get my owls because then I need to have them for 12 months. And then if I want to get my peas when I'm 18, I can. I guess maybe when I'm 18, I might need them. But the only reason I ended up getting my peas was three years later because my owls were going to run out. I didn't want to do my owls again, so I probably should get my peas. So I had this card with me that said, technically, I am eligible to drive. Meanwhile, I had mates who were out when they were 18 driving Tiranas and 
um, and Chargers. They were the two big cars that most of the young guys had. They were chomping at the bit to get this card. They were hanging out and they're ind- they were independent and they loved it and they drove up and down the streets. You could hear them from over the hills. You knew when, you know, Barry or whoever it was was, was coming because they had their cards. <laughs> same, same card issued by the same people. To me, it was just a thing that I guess one day maybe I'll use. To them, this was freedom. This was their livelihood. This was, this was what they'd spent the last two years dreaming, three years probably even more, dreaming about. And, and I wonder whether sometimes we don't recognise our citizenship in the kingdom of God. It's something like me with my driver's licence going, yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess it's something that i got. Maybe I'll use it one day. Maybe it'll be of value. But these guys got it. They held on to their, their P-plate licence and pushed the boundaries and apparently those cars were the most powerful that you could have legally as a P-plater. Um, they, they'd worked out how to push the limits and how to get the best value out of their P-plates. Um, and yet I just sat back and I didn't recognise the value of that card. And I think sometimes our understanding of the citizen, our citizenship in, in the kingdom of God is we don't actually recognise what that means. 2 Corinthians says, So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. This is what citizenship's about. The old has gone, the new has come. We often think about citizenship in terms of, you know, you can be dual citizen, you can be, you know, we can come and go as we please. But this is a citizenship that is different to the others. It is one of a kind and it is one that supersedes all the others. You can't be a dual citizen, citizen when you take up the kingdom of God, when you take up this place. In John 3, it says, very, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born again when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. There's something different that has happened when we commit our lives to Jesus and we say, Holy Spirit, fill my life, take me over. I want, to, I want that citizenship. I want to be part of your kingdom. I want to claim what you have set before us as an opportunity. 
It's a very different sort of citizenship to anything else. And, uh, and we really need to recognize and, and grasp what that citizenship means. Um, we also need to understand it. Um, which official symbol of Australia identifies Commonwealth property? A, the national anthem, B, Australia's national flower, or C, the Commonwealth coat of arms? C. This is actually a test question from, um, if you want to become a citizen, you have to sit a test. And this is one of the test questions that you have to be able to answer um, or know this type of content to become an Australian citizen. Which of these is a responsibility of Australian citizens aged 18 years and over? To attend local council meetings, to vote in elections, to have a current Australian passport? B. Well done. You're all very good citizens. Last one. Which arm of government has the power to interpret and apply law? Legislative, executive or judicial? Judicial. C. So the government's decided that when you become an Australian citizen, we need to make sure you understand what being an Australian citizen is. Um, so they make people sit a test um, with these sort of questions on it. Now, if it was my test, I would say there's a lot of other things that um, um, I would put on there. Um, you know, if you see a crime, do you A, go beat the person up? Do you go to the police? Do you, like, do you know what I mean? There's some things about living in society that I think uh, personally are probably more significant than uh, knowing what happened in 1901. There, there is value in those things, um, but, um, but in our citizenship in the kingdom of God, we need to know and need to understand what's God's commitment to us in that and what's our commitment to God. We've got to get both of those things. If we don't understand those things, then we can't understand what it means to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. In each of these pictures, they paint an idea of that relationship. In the vine and the branches, we have um, John 15 says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. So I've got something there. Part of citizenship is God will produce fruit out of you. There'll, there'll be fruit coming from you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So there's another aspect of the citizenship is that actually outside of this relationship, there's actually there's no fruit. There's nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up thrown into the fire and burned. Now, for me, I often find myself with one foot in my world citizenship and one foot in my kingdom citizenship. And that kind of feels comfortable. I feel like there's, you know, there's this person I really don't want to forgive and that's okay. I'll justify that. And then there's someone that I feel led to forgive, so I'll, I'll forgive them. So that's, that's good. I'm doing the right thing. There's, there's something that, you know, I should be, should be generous with and then something that, you know, I deserve, I deserve this myself. Um, you know, I've, I've earned it. I should, should be able to. There's, there's this kind of natural tension that I've created 
um, between being in the world and a citizen of the world and being a citizen of the kingdom of God. And it's kind of like me saying, you know what? I might just be free. I might be a leaf that wanders off and I'll come back to the vine later. Or I might be a, uh, a groom, a, a bride that kind of checks out other grooms, even though I'm engaged and I'll come back to my, my, my groom. That's okay. You know, it just doesn't make sense. As soon as you cut off from the vine, as soon as you choose to do something that you think is freedom, the, the picture doesn't work anymore. As soon as you decide to start, start going off, your, your engagement, your betrothal is broken down. You don't have a relationship. The bride and groom don't have a relationship if you go and check out other guys and girls. It doesn't work. This half foot in, half foot out thing doesn't fit together. The picture doesn't work. And Jesus, when he talks about the, the shepherd and the sheep, refers to goats. Now, I don't, know if you're about, no, I don't know a lot about goats, but I'm told they're fairly independent sort of animals. Whereas sheep hear the shepherd's voice and follow, the goats, they'll come and eat your pastures. They'll, be, they'll, they'll, they'll eat the food. But they won't necessarily hear the shepherd's vo- voice and follow them. I think sometimes I'm a bit like a goat. I want, I want the pastures. I want to be in the field that the shepherds tended and decided that we, can, that we can feed from. But I want to do my own thing. I want to have a foot in both camps. Um, and Jesus makes it really clear that this, this is not how the picture fits together. He paints the picture again and again and again and says, you are a citizen of my kingdom. And as of that, there is a commitment both ways. And I will give you abundant life. I will give you everything that you need. I will make you fruitful. I will give you value and worth. All these pictures paint a picture of life, of, of hope, of, of, of uh, fullness. And Jesus says, I will give that to you. I make that commitment to you. That is yours. But you can't have it and not have it at the same time. It's either yours and you take it and you run with it or you say, I don't want it. And he gives us that freedom too. But we've got to wrestle with this and understand what it is. What, what does it mean to be a citizen of the kingdom? And if we want it, let's stop playing halfway. Let's go for it. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You just can't do it. It doesn't work. And to be honest, I can testify that it doesn't work because every time I get frustrated and I get um, fed up with how things are and I get, I look down and I see my foot on one on both camps. I go, no wonder there was a, a verse shared this morning that, um, that God laid on my heart a few weeks ago. It was awesome. Scott shared it from Nehemiah. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And it popped into my head one day walking home. My head was at that point full of a whole heap of things that I had to do and I was frustrated and they weren't fit together. I'm very task oriented, so <laughs> forgive me for that. Um, um, 
And all of a sudden, out of the blue, I didn't even know where, I didn't know it was in Nehemiah. I had to look it up afterwards. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And it's like, well, I'm not feeling very strong, feeling quite inadequate right now. I don't have a lot of joy. But the part of that equation that I'd completely lost was the God part. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I wanted the joy, I wanted the strength, but I've got one foot on both sides and I'm juggling between the two. And it's out of that that I didn't have joy or strength. And so I needed to, to have that spiritual slap across the face. Matt, what are you doing? Why are you trying to juggle the two? Understand my citizenship in the kingdom of God, own it and run with it. We also need to claim our citizenship. Unfortunately, we're in this tough spot because the kingdom of God is here now. Right here today, the kingdom of God is here, but it is not complete. So we're kind of like citizens of somewhere else in a country that doesn't understand what that means. So we've got here in Corinthians, it says, for now we see only a reflection as in the mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now we know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. So, so Paul's acknowledging God's, his side of the deal is, is done. He's, Paul is fully known. He's fully understand, understood by God. God's got him. He gets it. And his part of the commitment is fine. But Paul recognises that from his, his perspective, he's only got a, a vague picture of what's going on here. He can see the kingdom of God. He can see God at work, but it's not complete yet. And that's really hard because we sometimes pray and go, God can heal. I know he can heal. He's done it before. He'll do it again. But why didn't it happen this time? Why is there sorrow and suffering? Why is, why is there famine? The kingdom of God is, is not yet complete. It's not yet, it's not yet at that point where the king will return and every knee shall bow. There is that day coming. And so we're stuck in this kind of work in progress. And it's described, I don't know if I've got it up here of. Here we go. This, I really like this. This is in Revelation, so it's looking ahead. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. The broken world, the kingdom of God, uh, in a, in a shady mirror that we can see, we can grasp, we know's there, but is incomplete, saying there is hope. There is a day coming where this being in exile, which we don't get, I understand that we're not like, um, I'm, I'm sure Samir would understand more about what it means to be in exile than me. I've grown up not even knowing what a citizen it really means. Um, I don't know what it means to be living in another country and oppressed, and I don't, I don't get any of that. Um, but that's where we're at. We, we've been convinced that the environment we're in is safe and good and all happy, but God says we're in exile. 
We're actually not in our own land. We're not under the rule. This picture doesn't exist now. And if that picture doesn't exist, then the picture isn't complete. And we need to claim the kingdom of God picture. We need to own that and go, that is where we're going. My hope isn't uh, in what I see around me. My hope is in what God has promised and what God's got coming. Matthew 24 says, As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming, I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumours of wars. But see to to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Now, birth pains is another beautiful picture. I love how God tries to, Jesus tries to explain things in ways that we understand. I don't know, I can't say I've experienced them. Um, and I thank God for that. But I, I have watched someone experience them. And I can say they're not pleasant. They're not an enjoyable thing. Um, but you endure the birth pains for the amazing life that comes out the end of it. If the birth pains are what it's about, call it off. I'm not interested. I'm sure there's many women who would, who would say, if, 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 the, if the goal is the birth pains, then I don't want to be part of it. Um, but the goal isn't the birth pains. The goal is beyond the birth pains to God reigning and his kingdom being established on earth, looking like this. We need to claim our kingdom citizenship, walk in it, realising that the world we live in, the environment we're in, is a foreign land. It's not the picture that we want to aim towards. We need to have hope and we need to know that God's got our back. He has bestowed upon us a citizenship. Call it a vine that has you attached to it as a branch that produces fruit. Call it a, a bride, a, a groom that's, that's um, asked you to marry them. Call it a shepherd who wants the sheep just to follow and to, 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 to flourish in the rich pastures. Whatever picture you, you make sense to you, we need to claim that and not have a foot on both sides. Now, the thing is also, and, and this kind of, this is a bit of a sidetrack, but I think it's very valuable. The word police actually comes from the word polis, which is the Greek word for a citizen. So, um, so there's this idea that the police enforce how to be a good citizen. Kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Um, and that's where we get metropolis from as well, the idea of a city or a group of people gathered together. So unfortunately, sometimes we think we are God's police. We are citizens and we have this contract. It's, it's more than a contract. We have this um, relationship 
that we understand God's position and God understands ours and we are working to live in that citizenship. But it is not our job to police God's kingdom. Um, Peter tries to do it when they're in the Garden of Gethsemane. He, uh, he grabs out his blade and he cuts off the guy's ear. He's kind of like, I'm going to defend Jesus. I'm going to show them. Um, he's my mate. And, and Jesus says, I, I don't need that. I got, I got myriads of angels. I could call down 10,000 angels right now and this would all be over. Um, sometimes I think we feel like the world should all be citizens of God and they, it would be awesome if they were all citizens of God. But unless they're part of that citizenship, they're not living by the citizen rules. So we want everybody to be, to be following the rules as a citizen, but they don't have the Holy Spirit in them. So how can you follow the rules of a citizenship that you don't agree with and that you don't actually have who I would call the police, the Holy Spirit, to lead and guide and correct? It's the Holy Spirit's job to correct. In our contract, in our agreement, in our kingdom citizenship, we have a responsibility to others. That's true. It's not to police the kingdom. And I think that sometimes we can get caught up because while I've got one foot in both sides, I kind of go, wow, my kingdom side's starting to flourish a little bit here. But you over there, you're looking like you're a little bit in the world. Let me, let me fix you up. Let me tell you how you should be. I would work on getting this together. This is what you've been called to. Working out what it means to be a kingdom citizen and living that is the best way you can bring light and salt to the, to the world. Going around policing the kingdom is not your job. Let the Holy Spirit do that. Um, the Holy Spirit works through people. But if we stick to what we've been called to do and we don't start measuring others about how they're living kingdom life, um, I think we'll be a lot more fruitful. What I'd like to do is something a little bit stretching. Um, I think there's always things in each of our lives where we wrestle with this foot in the world, foot in the kingdom of God concept. And if you're, if you're comfortable with this, um, I'd love to get into pairs and just share something briefly, just Spend a bit of time, ask the Spirit to reveal something, if he hasn't already, about the way you walk and the way you journey and what it is that, that you're afraid to let go of in the world. What it is on, on that, that, that pendulum of trying to, to juggle this being in the world and, and, and choosing which, what you choose to do kingdom stuff and what you don't. And I'm not saying I've got it all together. I'm wrestling daily with what it means to be a citizen. I'm not claiming that at all. But we've been listening for four weeks now on aspects of the kingdom of God. And if there hasn't been forgiveness, um, God's authority, how upside down our kingdom is, new wine and new wineskins, we've been looking at these topics. And if there's not something 
that God's challenged you about this, this where, where's your loyalty, where's your understanding of what I've bestowed upon you? Then it's time now to, to think about that and to ask the Holy Spirit to, to challenge you. Guys with guys and girls with girls, unless you're a married couple, um, if you wouldn't mind just spending a moment just praying, saying, Holy Spirit, reveal to me where in my life I haven't laid down my worldly kingdom for the kingdom that you've set before me. And then it'd be awesome if you just pray for each other. It doesn't have to be a long prayer. It doesn't have to be an amazing prayer. But as a citizen of the kingdom of God, you've got the Holy Spirit. And if you've got the Holy Spirit, then you can pray. That's, that's part of the contract. It's part of the deal. You don't need some person with a degree to pray for you. That's yours. So I really encourage you just now to spend a few moments, um, grab someone and just share briefly about something that you want to work on. We don't want the, this certificate to be like my driver's license, my P-plate license, that was just a bit of card. It meant nothing to me. We want to be like those guys out on their Tiranas and Chargers actually claiming that citizenship and running with it.